是台湾人，台湾人，台湾人。Welcome to Taiwan Yuan, where you'll hear stories of Taiwanese innovators, makers, and advocates. I'm your host Cindy, and today we're chatting with Miss Shu Mai. She's a Taiwanese American drag performer who's been featured on Paper Magazine, Vice, and Apple Daily. We talk about Miss Shu Mai's drag journey, the common misconceptions of drag, and how doing drag has made her feel more Taiwanese than ever. Let's get into it. Hi, Shumai. Hello. Tell us about yourself and your connection to Taiwan. Yeah. So、uh, my name is Miss Shumai. I am a second-generation Taiwanese American drag queen. To me, that means that my parents, my parents immigrated here from Taiwan, and I was hatched here, so to speak. <laughs> so yeah. That's my connection to to Taiwan. My parents met and grew,、uh, went to college in Taiwan. Our diasporic backstory is a little unique. I think、yeah. if you want me to go into that, my、sure. parents are both actually Cantonese, and so my dad was born in Hong Kong, but moved to Taiwan at a pretty early age. Don't exactly remember when, but he was there for quite a while. My mom was actually born in Cambodia, and her side of the family was in Cambodia. They're Cantonese,、wow. but moved to Cambodia, were there for、nice. a couple generations. I think I think it might have been gentrifiers. I don't know, but then my mom, when she was a very young age, she got sent to boarding school in Taiwan. At like the age of like seven or eight, so she was basically living on her own in Taiwan for a very very long time. I grew up there, and that's where my parents met and got married, and that's、yeah. where all my dad's side of the family is. So, how do you identify? Do you identify mostly as Taiwanese? It kind of depends on who I'm talking to. It really, <laughs>、like、it. yeah, because if it, I usually say I'm Taiwanese, and if, but also if like someone calls me Chinese, I'm not going to be like. No, you know what I mean. Because I'm like, technically, that is kind of true.、Um, <laughs> you're right. You're right. Yeah, you're right. But also, I'm like, I won't be like, no, I'm not. I'll be like, yeah, I'm Taiwanese. You know what I mean? But switching. Yeah,、bit. exactly, exactly. My、uh, mom's Cantonese too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Do、wow. you speak Cantonese? Yeah, Titi. Just yeah, a little titi. bit. Susu. Susu. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We didn't. She rejected the Cantonese part of her identity.、Mm. So it wasn't until we immigrated to Canada and she met all these people from Hong Kong that、mm. she embraced it. Yeah. And relearned Cantonese like as an adult. That must have been really hard. I learned hard. it with her. Yeah. It must have、yeah. been kind of hard because Cantonese is not an easy language. It's not. Yeah, it's weird because she always heard it, but she never,、mm. you know, spoke it.、Mm-hmm. So it was more about like getting her accent correct, right? And, yeah, right, how right, do you right. pronounce? Yeah, all the intonations. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like I'm like very the same, like sek tang sek gong. Like, it's like very、mm-hmm. like I can understand most of it, but like, can I recreate full sentences? Really? <laughs> <laughs> so. But can、yeah. you order at a restaurant? I can definitely order at dim sum. My ex brought his like coworkers with me and me to dim sum. It was my first time meeting all his coworkers, and I was like, "You got this." Yeah, I got. I was like, I was like, let me, <laughs> let me, let me impress some, you know. So and I did it. It's your moment. So, yeah. <laughs> Though I did have to call my mom and be like, "How do you say take up box again?" <laughs> How do you say?、That? I completely hold, forgot again. Yeah, hold, 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 D, five D. I don't know. We、I、can、forgot. cut this out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is just random. Struggling. <laughs>、um, so yeah. yeah, that is my connection to Taiwan.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you been back? The last time I went back was in 2015. So、mm. it's been a while.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't been by myself since. I haven't been as an adult without family. 
Yeah, um, you got to try that. Exactly. Yeah, I think that I did it more recently. Uh-huh. Recommend to everyone. It's a different Taiwan. Oh no, it's fully a different right? Taiwan. Especially because I also haven't been back since they legalized same-sex marriage. Oh, and I know, yeah. like, for I know that Taiwan is like you know by Asian standards, a very gay country, especially Taipei. And so that's one of the things I want to do is once mm. things are better, is I want to go back. Yes. I do follow all, a few of the drag performers that are out there. And I'm like, I want to work out there. I want to yeah. get connected with my community that's out there. Aww. So. Okay. Yeah. We're going to, we'll have a reunion there. <laughs> so about drag, mm-hmm. uh, we didn't really get into it yet, but what mm-hmm. do you do? Yeah. So I am a drag performer and a professional choreographer. I have been doing drag for about five and a half years. So it's been a little bit. And yeah, drag for those of any of our listeners that don't know. It is an art form where you take costumes, makeup, wigs, dance, comedy, any form of performance art under the sun. And you take that in a way to explore gender, express gender in an exaggerated way, in a way that fits your authenticity. Yeah, so drag is not necessarily men dressing up as women or women dressing up as men. I think that's a trope that a lot of people think it is, but it's not necessarily that. And drag is for everyone of any age and any expression. It's so funny you mentioned that because my first exposure to drag, like I'm sure a lot of people's first exposure was through RuPaul's Drag Race. And I was so, I would say, taken aback or stunned Mm -hmm. by how talented everybody was. You have to lip sync. You have to dance. You have to do, you know, make your own clothes. Learn how to sew. You got to learn how to sing improv. So much more than just dressing up. Right. Right. How did you first discover drag? So I always had an inclination to kind of exploring gender. And also as a dancer, I've been a dancer for maybe like 15 years now. Like high school, (laughs) since high school. So being on stage was where I belonged. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that drag really allowed me to kind of pull out a different kind of stardom in me. And so that's something that I've always kind of wanted to do. I remember from a very young age, number one, I was like, oh, I want to be a pop star when I grow up. Number two was <laughs> I also, okay, this is kind of like super weeby of me. I'm a big video game person ever since I was a kid. And so there was this one Final Fantasy video game that my mm-hmm. brother had. And there were these girls that like transformed. For those of you who are listening, Final Fantasy X2, you're correct. Um, <laughs> it is they, these girls, whenever they like changed like classes mid-battle, they go through these like really extravagant Sailor Moon-esque transformations. Yeah, I was thinking it's like Sailor Moon. Basically, oh yeah. And so that was like, that was really inspiring. Oh. I watched Sailor Moon a lot growing up. Mm-hmm. And like, so a lot of my role models, you know, especially as Asian Americans, we don't got too many. When we're yeah. growing up, especially growing up in the 90s. Um, Mulan was mine. So. Right, yeah. Sailor Moon was mine. <laughs> Which character is your favorite? In Sailor Moon, my favorites were, uh, I like Sailor Neptune, a little niche. She was the violin playing lesbian. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, what, wow, I do not remember. Mm-hmm. She had the that. mirror <laughs> and then she was like, oh, you bad guys look, you're ugly. And then they all died. So <laughs> that's why she was my favorite. Yeah. So she was my favorite. And yeah, so a lot of my inspirations Mm -hmm. and was like, you know, I want to be able to like transform into this like super powerful, confident, feminine person. And so that's what kind of drew me to drag. When I was in seventh grade, uh, I remember telling my friends, I was like, I want to dress up as one of these Final Fantasy characters for Halloween. And then my friends were like, oh, that'd be cool. But people are going to laugh at you because obviously I'd be dressing up as a girl. And then I was like, boop, 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 and back to the closet I go. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't really until like later on I started working in an LGBT nonprofit. 
And so in that kind of space where we're taught to explore gender a little bit more and Mm -hmm. feel encouraged to embrace every single parts of us, I was like, I want to start doing drag. And then my coworker, who ended up becoming my drag mother, sat next to me. I was like, I want to do drag for Anime Expo in 2016. And then she was like, I got you. And so that was my first time in drag at Anime Expo. (laughs) It's so important, though, to have somebody like in the story you just talked about have someone that's an advocate for you or tells you, yeah, that's totally normal. And that's totally something you should do. Yeah. What is a drag mother? So a drag (laughs) mother is someone who basically shows you the ropes and is kind of like a mentor figure in the community. Among the drag community and a lot of LGBT communities, obviously a lot of us have either estranged or complicated relationships with our biological families. And so chosen families within our community are something that is very, very big theme for Mm -hmm. us. And as such, you know, drag mothers and drag mentors, in a sense, are cornerstones of how people maybe start getting into drag. Have you become a drag I mentor? do have a daughter. We haven't, we haven't done like a debut yet, but I do have a daughter. She's getting um, ready. She's getting ready. Yeah, she's <laughs> getting ready. She's like debut. She had like one debut performance and hasn't performed as much since then. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. How did you come up with the name Shumai for yourself? Yeah. So funny story. It was actually during my, my rehearsals for my first ever drag performance. Like I said, the first time I did drag was at Anime Expo in 2016. From then, I didn't really do drag after that. And then my Mm. friends saw me post photos of me doing drag. And then they were like, hey, we want a drag performer for our Frozen-themed birthday party fundraiser. And so they were like, can you do something Frozen-themed? And I was like, yes, I will be a slutty Elsa. Um, (laughs) And so my first number was a slutty Elsa. I had backup dancers during rehearsal. I was like, I don't have a name yet. And I was just telling my backup dancers, I was like, I want to name like Kimchi from RuPaul's Drag Race, but like I love my, Kimchi, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. So I was like, you know, it's it's such a good name, yeah. right? It's such a good name, and so I was like, I want to name like that, like a food pun, but mm-hmm. like my culture. And I was like, I'm Cantonese, Shumai, <laughs> and then it, both Your of inner Shumai came out, yeah, literally. And I was like, that sounds like it could like be some some Asian woman's name somewhere. Okay, when you started with Frozen, I thought you were going to go Frozen Dumpling. <laughs> Which you know, that, that does make sense. Frozen Shumai <laughs> is a thing. Never as good. But. You know, but it does it what it needs to do. It does yeah. what it needs to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's, good. It, it's funny that you mentioned that though. Because yeah, I would have expected an anime. Right. Sort yeah, of yeah. name. But I think Shumai, it just, um, it does say a lot about you. Yeah. Ready. Just yeah. who you are. Thank you. Um, so it seems like since drag, you've gotten more and more involved in the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about, am I saying it right, GAPA? Yeah. The, so GAPA, yeah. previously known as Gay Asian Pacific Alliance, they are a organizing or a LGBT organizing community based in the Bay Area. They host a yearly pageant called the GAPA Runway which uh, seeks to highlight performers and artists and community advocates within the doing work for the API LGBT community. And I competed in 2018 and won. So yeah, I'm happy to be involved with them. And they do a lot of great work up in the Bay Area. And do you find that just speaking as an Asian American, Mm -hmm. you know, who's in this uh, LGBTQ community, is it harder, do you think, for Asian Americans to go through this journey? In terms of, I would say in terms of like getting involved with like being an advocate, it is a little bit 
harder. I definitely like in my journey, I think that around the time when I started coming out in college in like the early like 2010s, it was like, it wasn't as like cool or trendy to like be an advocate, I guess, or activism wasn't as like cool. You know what Mm. I mean? And so it was kind of hard. It was like, I was just like, oh, let me just focus on like figuring out my identity. Like I don't need to be doing all that kind of a thing. But I think really what kind of galvanized what I wanted to do for the community was once I majored, I went to UCLA, so that's why I'm in LA. So I wanted to end up working in entertainment to impact like the media representation and whatnot for both queer people and Asian Americans. I got tired of trying to find jobs there because they all led me to working for straight white men, which was the last (laughs) thing I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I'm really not good at kissing ass like that. So yeah, so after that, with that led me to my first uh, full-time job working at an A uh, working at APIT, Asian Pacific AIDS Intervention Team, which is an oh, wow. API LGBT HIV nonprofit. And that was that, a lot of acronyms. It was a lot of acronyms, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so that's yeah, impactful that's, work right away, yeah, right off the bat. Exactly. And so from there, that's where I kind of like got the inspiration to do drag. I really got mm-hmm. to develop who I wanted to be as an advocate. And so just from there, like, I've taken that, combined that with the platform that I have with drag in order to hopefully inspire folks to take more action in helping LGBT and queer communities of color and also using art to kind of reclaim what their authenticity is. Mm -hmm. And do you find that doing the advocacy work, I would say, do you think that the Asian American community is becoming more accepting of LGBTQ people? Yes, to an extent. (laughs) I'd say yes to an extent. I definitely think that there is always still room to grow. I definitely think that, you know, there is a growing and building community, especially here in Los Angeles Mm -hmm. among queer APIs. So, which is really, really helpful because a lot of, a lot of the times, like, it's hard for us to find communities since like, you know, we're all very like scattered, but here and there. Yeah. I definitely think that over the past few years, I've actually been, booked for various non-LGBT events. I was the first Mm. drag queen to ever host an event at 66 Night Market. Oh! Um, Yeah, so I was on the mic. Um, Yeah, thank you. It was a few years ago in 2019 that I was booked there. I've done things like, you know, like reading to kids at like UCLA. That's one of the best initiatives. Yeah, it was fun. One of the kids (laughs) was like, are you Mulan? And I was like, I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so yeah. Though I will say that being booked at these like non-LGBT spaces, something it's it's kind of funny, but also like kind of shitty that they like would think this. But when I've been booked, they have really made it an emphasis to be like, remember, this is a family event. This has to be kid-friendly, as if being queer and doing drag was inherently sexual hmm. to begin with, or like it's inherently yeah. taboo. And it kind of goes into that like same kind of thing where it's like, oh, like kids aren't kids are too young to learn about queer things, but I'm like, you would never think twice about like straight propaganda to your kids, you know? So, yeah. yeah. So you're already going against, you know, I would say more difficult expectations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That. Hmm. Yeah. When you are faced with difficulty, mm-hmm. what gets you through those moments? I mean, it's kind of the thing where I try not to take it too much to heart. You know, like, I know that, and it obviously takes a lot to get here. And it obviously never feels good going through this. Like, one of the biggest things that comes to my head that I've experienced was at 626 Night Market, 
there was actually an audience member that was like booing me on while I was on stage on the mic. And was like going. And nobody like, did anything. The, I, they were like, "Boo, that's a man!" And like obviously, the audience, the rest of the audience, had my back. They started booing him and cussing oh, him good. out. And the security <laughs> very swiftly took him away. But he was there for a good couple moments, like you know. So it was just like, and in that moment, I just did my best to kind of play it off. Play. I tried to play it off as like naturally and entertainingly as I mm-hmm. could. But internally, like obviously, it didn't feel good. Mm-hmm. But knowing that it wasn't necessarily. It wasn't as much about me as it was about him. That's very true. Yeah. Like it was, he felt a certain way. I challenged his perceptions of what he thought that could be. And that has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. That's all about him. So, mm. yeah. It takes a lot to get there and be able to like, you know, process those feelings. Yeah. And I'm sort of, I'm half putting myself out there through mm-hmm. the podcast, but mm-hmm. not really because it's more audio based, right? And right. I, I also get, sometimes negative comments or naysayers. And I just think what you're doing is just like a hundred times braver (laughs) than what I'm doing. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Another thing is just like remembering like, you know, they're not paying your bills. You you know, they they don't matter to you, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, one of the things that really stuck with me is Mm -hmm. um, after having an uncomfortable confrontation where somebody also made me just feel like nothing. Mm-hmm. One of my friends said, "Don't give them power. If mm. you, you know, if you give their words power, you're taking away your own power." Right. So I have to try to remember that. But yeah, yeah, no. And it's hard. Yeah, it does. It's it's fully valid to be have to like process it because obviously these words are the haters are going to hate, and sometimes the hate do hurt. But mm-hmm. you know, they're not paying your bills. Pay them no mind. Have you experienced any backlash as you know an API performer mm-hmm. during this time? Sorry, I mean more like the AAPI hate. Oh, like, mm-hmm. it, yeah. Just recently. Yeah, so recently, like, obviously, with the rising Asian hate crimes, um, I haven't personally experienced anything to myself just because I've been doing what I can and try and stay safe. But I will say that it's definitely impacted me, especially with the start of COVID. Back when I was living in mid-city towards the west side, I was in an area where it was, like, I was like one of the only Asians in the neighborhood. And it was primarily Latinx and mm. Black and Latinx, which is great. Lots of families there. It was very, very festive all the time. It was really, really, it was great. The food was great. But oftentimes, you know, I think that when our communities aren't super represented in those kinds of populations, that's when we obviously hate crime, rates of hate crime tend to rise. In my neighborhood specifically, there were a lot of like Latino boys that like to hang out on the streets that, you know, had a lot of machismo and like definitely like heckled me verbally um, because even in what I think is my butchiest presentation, they can smell the fruitiness a mile away. <laughs> they can just be like, there's some sugar around here. Let's, <laughs> let, let's, let's bully that one. And so obviously with that and then knowing that I'm not only am I like one of the few queer people, visibly queer people, I'm also like the one of the visibly Asian. Asian. Mm-hmm. And so those combined... I don't want to say comorbidities, but like those definitely have like increased my fears of mm-hmm. being hate crimed in my neighborhood. So much so that during, especially <laughs> basically most of the pandemic, I would drive from the West Side to 626 to go grocery shopping because I did not want that's to. That's where you felt safe. That's where I felt safe. I ended up moving here. So, <laughs> which I'm not complaining about. I love the neighborhood here. I love being around, I love being around my peoples. Yeah. Um, I, I will I'm say. I'm sorry I de- you had yeah. to go through that. Yeah, it's, it's, but it's, but a product of, 
I can't blame the communities that I'm in. I can only blame white supremacy, which is the symptoms of queer hate and Asian hate are a symptom of white supremacy. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people, like you were saying earlier, the man who booed you at the night market, Mm -hmm. right? It has to do with them. Mm. They're just acting out of fear. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, you still need to look out for yourself for your own safety. Right. But yeah, I I think sometimes you do have to just remove yourself from that situation. Yeah. That is sort of the the easiest solution. Yeah. I'm proud of you for doing that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So on the flip side of mm-hmm. that, what's, can you share a proudest moment so far? Yeah, journey? I think one of the proudest moments that I've had, and this happens reoccurringly, one of the things I'm most proud of as a drag performer is that I am the co-producer of LA's monthly queer and trans Asian and Pacific Islander drag show. It's called Send Nudes Like Noodles. <laughs> Yeah. And so, yeah. Honey. So that started with me and my co-producer, BB Discoteca. Uh, We decided to create this space because more often than not, we were both like the only API person booked Mm. at an Mm -hmm. event. Sometimes maybe even the the only person of color at an event. And I'm like, through social media, we knew that there are all these different API performers throughout. And we just like don't have a space to celebrate us. And for me also, I also got my start hosting at the Gay Asian Night in West Hollywood called Game Boy. And going from there, some of my favorite, knowing that some of my favorite performances were ones where I was doing K-pop numbers to an audience that understands that. Doing numbers during Lunar New Year's that are like mid-autumn festival where the audience has at least a rudimentary understanding of like, mm-hmm. oh, you're handing out red envelopes during a performance. Like, I understand that. We love that, you know? So those are some of my favorite performances. I couldn't bring that to like a quote, quote, general C white audience, <laughs> you know? So yeah. we wanted to create a space that celebrates not only queer and trans API excellence, but also Culturally. giving, yeah, giving the art performers an opportunity to be able to express their own culture to an audience that really understands. Yeah, I want red pockets. Yeah, exactly. And so that's the, what I'm proud of is that not only have we created this space that has been really impactful for our performers, a Mm -hmm. lot of our community members have said that this space is really, really healing and like a new home for them that they never had before. And so, you know, hearing that makes me know that I'm doing the right thing and Mm -hmm. I'm doing exactly the job that I'm meant to do. Mm. And then it does kind of go back to when you said you found that I think you said the AAPI uh, LGBTQ communities were seem to be more scattered, mm-hmm, right? So mm-hmm. you're helping to center them. Exactly, exactly. And I find that for Taiwanese people too. Yeah. I don't know, maybe just because we don't, we're not into a single religion as right. like the Koreans yeah. or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I find that, um, at least for me as a Taiwanese person, before, mm-hmm. you know, I did this podcast work, I didn't even know where I could go right. to be more Taiwanese if right. I wanted to. right. Like, I mean, I know a few, now I know a few, like, more, yeah. ta- like, Taiwanese organizations. Like, there's Taiwanese American Professionals. There's... Oh, TAP. TAP, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I've I done stuff with them. I feel like I have done stuff with them. Yeah, I have. Oh, cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the... Uh, the oh, there's man, a, there's a Taiwanese notice. American Film Festival that my friend Roxy oh. produces. Yeah. So, it's like, we're here and there. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I actually didn't know that I... When I first started drag, I was like the only Taiwanese drag performer in LA that I knew of. That's wow. changed. I know a couple more now. It's great. And what's your dream of for when you go back to Taiwan? Mm. What do you hope to do? I hope to 
Well, hopefully I get to kind of tour a little bit, do a few shows in at least Taipei. I don't know, I don't know what the drag scene is like in other parts of Taiwan, but I want to be able to perform there, could really connect with the drag performers that are out there. And, you know, I think it'd be magical to kind of just like connect with my roots there a little bit more and see how that impacts my drag. Mm-hmm. And yeah. in a different, exactly, connect with them in a new way. Right. With the, your new identity. Right, right, right. What is a part of being an Asian-American drag performer that Mm -hmm. you wish more people knew about? Ooh, that's a good question. I wish, one, I wish people knew that we existed a little bit more. Um, I think that, you know, being Taiwanese, you know, there's not as many of us. And so I think that one is, you know, being able to have some representation out there. And I think that, I guess this is in general for anyone else doing art or doing drag within the doing art or drag as like especially like a minority or a you know a person of color is that you know your art form deserves to be intersectional your art form deserves to be able to celebrate every single fold of you mm-hmm. and i like to think that a big part of my drag is celebrating my intersectionality celebrating and reclaiming what it is to be a second generation taiwanese american whether that is unapologetically owning femininity and how that looks like on a body like mine, whether that is, you know, lip syncing to songs that are in, you know, both Cantonese and Mandarin, which were languages that I kind of struggled with holding and embracing growing up, especially with the pressures of assimilation, whether that is, you know, being able to do numbers that celebrate holidays that you may or may not have a complicated history with. Not all of the time that we're, it's not all the time that, especially with say like for us, Mid-Autumn Festival or like Lunar New Year's where we're able to, a lot of times when we celebrate those, it's with family. And then we have to kind of, either we're closeted and we have to pass as, you know, straight or cis. And so, you know, if you're doing these art forms, this is an opportunity for you to be able to celebrate that and mm. and celebrate that and rewrite that narrative in a way that fits you just just because it's, Traditional does not mean that it has to stay in a way that invalidates who you are. That was so beautiful. And I I love the new vocabulary you're introducing to Mm -hmm. me, like intersectionality Mm -hmm. and just being unapologetic. Yeah. I'm just really curious. Who Mm -hmm. are your role models? How do you find inspiration for your drag? As I mentioned earlier, a lot of my role models were like anime and video game characters growing up. I didn't really have anyone else to look up to. Mm. And so that's a lot, another reason why, like... It's okay. My role model is fictional, too. No, yeah, exactly. It's Leslie No, She's not real. <laughs> oh, I love but Leslie legendary. No. I legendary. Love, legendary. Legendary. Uh, yes, little Sebastian. Um, <laughs> He's an icon. I- icon. Um, so, yeah, like... Sailor Moon was one of my role models. Like a lot of anime, like bad bitch anime villainesses are are like, it's very niche, but like they're some of my role models too. And yeah, I think that's another reason. Like, I think that for me, it was just like, they were very like over the top and unapologetically themselves. Mm. And that's kind of what drew me to it's them. It's refreshing. It's refreshing. And, not, and that's kind of why I like to say that Shumai, like, yes, it's, it's not, for a lot of people, drag is like a, I don't know, like a alter ego, but I I don't I tend to don't think that. For me, it's just like it's like me, but in Super Saiyan. It's Jeffrey turned up to volume like eleven. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's kind of why like I like to say like Shumai is just kind of like a cartoon character of it personified. I'm sure you've become 
an inspiration to many other people mm-hmm. in the community. So for the listeners who look to you for inspiration, mm. do you have any words for them? Yeah, I think that for anyone listening, if wherever you are in your journey is 100% valid. And at the same time, you deserve to celebrate the stardom that you are because all of us have, all of us are a fucking rock star in our hearts Woo. and you deserve to <laughs> be celebrated for that. Yeah. Um, in whatever way that looks like for you. What are your plans for 2022? Ooh. What my should we, you know, support? Yeah. So my plans for 2022, I am, we are still doing in-person outdoor shows for Send News. So check those out. If you're in the LA area, we host them at a bar called The Offbeat in Highland Park. Um, so keep up with at Send Nudes with a Z party on Instagram for that. <laughs> I have a few pretty exciting concepts that I have coming up in terms of like looks, hopefully merch by the end of the year. And um, send news with a Z. With a Z. <laughs> I'm just imagining send news, but like the Dragon Ball Z logo. As a choreographer, I am working with some artists this year. So look out for that. And if you so choose to do the dance challenge that may or may not come with it, please do yeah. so. And. Yeah, that's it. Keep up with me at Mystery Mai on Instagram and everywhere else to see what I'm up to. You can support Mystery Mai by following her on Instagram and TikTok. If you're ever in the LA area, be sure to check out her monthly drag production, Send Nudes with a Z. Thank you for listening. Taiwan Jayo.